CrossbreedHolsters.com presents the Urban Shooter Podcast. Y'all ready? Come on now. Urban Shooter, Pro Gun Variety Show. Urban Shooter, Pro Gun Variety Show. The Urban Shooter, Pro Gun Variety Show. Urban Shooter, Pro Gun Variety Show. Ken Blanchard, showing you how to flow. You've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. This is the pro-fun, pro-gun variety show with news, views, and how-tos relating to the sports of shooting, cooked up over the flames of liberty, roasted and hosted by me, your friend and brother from a different mother. This week on episode 157, True Victory. A New You, Zombie Strike Chapter 23. The news, now called Another Crazy Week in America. Two interviews, Olympic medalist Kim Rode and Liz Foley of the Second Amendment March. All this and more, coming right after our Pledge of Allegiance. Hey, but before we get really rolling, one of the Urban Shooter Podcast family members sent me this Originally by Red Skelton, he made it in like January 1969, and it's still on YouTube. It's what the Pledge of Allegiance means to him. I like to do it a little updated version, because I believe what it says in my heart and my soul. So if you allow me, we'll do this before John Wayne gives us our Pledge of Allegiance, and then I'll explain all the changes that's coming. I... That means me, an individual, a committee of one. Pledge. Dedicate all my worldly goods to give without self-pity. Allegiance. My love and devotion. To the flag. Our standard, old glory. A symbol of freedom. Wherever she waves, there's respect because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job. United. That means that we've all come together individual communities that have united into 50 great states. States, individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose, all divided with imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common purpose, and that's love for country. And to the Republic, that's a state in which the sovereign power is, invested in representatives chosen by the people to govern, and government is the people, and it's from the people, to the leaders, not from the leaders to the people, for which it stands, one nation, one nation meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided, with liberty, which is freedom, the right of power to live one's own life without threats, fear, or some sort of retaliation, and justice, the principle or quality of dealing fairly with others, for all which means, brothers and sisters, it's as much your country as it is mine. J.W., take it away. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty 
and justice for all. Hey, it's Ken Blanchard. Hey, thanks for joining me this week. I changed up a few things, huh? I know. It's going to get smoother as time goes on, but it's springtime and I got self-improvement on my mind. You know, I'm working that theme with a vengeance. How would you change your life? What would you do to make it a little bit better? You know, this podcast has allowed me to talk to you one-on-one and I've heard what you've said. I feel you. I've heard that some of us have lost some jobs. Some are still looking. Some have fell in love and out of love. Some have had some financial setbacks. We all are getting older and trying not to get any bigger. Well, imagine a new you. I can hear my wife up there now. Hope she doesn't throw any clothes in the washing machine again. Because here I am, below the washer and the dryer of the Blanchard Estates. But, you know... This podcast has allowed me to reach out and I'm going to actually use it to motivate me further because I know I can do better. Some wise old dude said that true victory is victory over oneself. So I'm going to try to lose some more weight, try to promote gun rights where it had not been successfully acceptable in the past and uh, work on making me more professional. So maybe, just maybe, I can take this show on the road. You want to start with me? Well, let's encourage one another then. Just email me if you're an Urban Shooter Association member and need encouragement to make it because you got my cell phone number. Just call me. If you don't, my number is 888-772-6262 and my email is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com or ken at urbanshooterpodcast.com. Now, in this show, we started off different and we're going to end different too. So let me know what you think about it, all right? And you can do that on the forums of the Gun Rights Radio Network or on the Urban Shooter forums on blackmanwithagun.info. Yep, she's up there. Now, I done solicited the help of a lot of people this week to help me do things better. Um, Chuck did our little intro and outro that you'll hear in the end. And uh, I got a, a coach actually helping me um, do some stuff internally and I'll just keep paying him until I run out of money speaking of the five two of the people were two champions one Liz Foley of the second amendment march and Kim Rhodes an Olympic shotgun competitor and they were some really cool people that I talked to this week and I'm gonna let you hear that conversation and uh, we're gonna talk about Taurus revolvers a little later on too And in Zombie Strike 23 is in the queue. Let me know what you think of show number 157 as I try to do just a little bit better on everything I have. Next up, another crazy week in America. It's another crazy week in America. Out on the West Coast, out in Los Angeles, they're averaging several home invasions a week. And that doesn't make you want to go get a rifle, shotgun, or a pistol. I don't know what will. Now, while I'm a forgiving man by nature, if you break into my home while me and mine are in here, I will feed you a lead sandwich. Speaking of L.A., they had another earthquake out there this week. And at first, they thought it was just Rosie O'Donnell getting out of bed. Now, I've never been in an earthquake, but based on what I've heard, it's a frightening 60-second ride. 
Hey, this week at my church, I spoke on protecting what's yours. And after I used a real life example of using my gun to protect my family, Sister Lou, a 99 year old member, bless her heart, came up to me and she said, Pastor, I wish you would stop putting your Glock into every sermon. I'm having trouble relating to that. I said, Sister Lou, I'm just using it to make a point. And she said, and I quote, well, work in a Walter P-38 every once in a while. I don't have a Glock. Here in D.C., four turkey buzzer eggs were found on top of the D.C. City Council building. As one local political observer said, well, they've been laying eggs inside that building for years. Now it's the bird's turn. You know, a little kid asked me about the earthquake in Haiti and Chile, Japan and L.A. Was this the end of the world? So before I got all biblical, I thought I'd give a little fella benefit of my worldly knowledge, you know, and my experience about the Pacific Ring of Fire. But uh, after a few minutes, I realized I didn't know what I was talking about. So I said, ask your mama. Ring of Fire. Wasn't that a Johnny Cash song? It didn't have squat to do with earthquakes, did it? How'd that song go? Oh, yeah. Went like this. a burning thing and it makes a fiery ring bound by love's desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire Fire, the ring of fire. 
admit you didn't hear that coming. All right. Um, after this commercial break, interview with Olympic shooter Kim Rhodes. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget crossbreedholsters.com. This is Ken Blanchard of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Gunpow.com. Send money to anyone with an email address. Easily pay for anything using the web. Sign up is free, quick, and easy. The wait is over. The next generation of payment processing is now. Gunpow.com. Our founding fathers came to America seeking freedom from tyranny. They purchased our freedom with their own blood. They established the greatest constitution the world has ever known. But now it's under attack like never before. Join the Second Amendment March to help us defend our right to keep and bear arms. Go to www.secondamendmentmarch.com and volunteer your help. Please donate if you can. Think about it. If America falls, where will your children live in freedom? Now a word about some overpriced crap. If you check blackmanwithagun.com or even urbanshooterpodcast.com, you might find some zombie targets, sunglasses, a CD called A Pistol Pack and Preacher, my first book, an action figure even, and some cool t-shirts. All of it, I admit, is overpriced. Why lie? It's all done to make money for this site, pay for music I use, instruction, graphic designers, our own forum, Consultants, lawyers, bandwidth, equipment, hosting services, software, and sometimes even a cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee to keep my voice low. And this show growing. I farm out everything and get a small percentage of all the crap you can find on my site. Now, I might look like a duck cruising across this pond, all independent and self-reliant, looking all studly like the dude in the Old Spice commercial, But like a duck, what you don't see are my big feet paddling like a mother, doing the best I can upstream and in current. So, if you like what you hear, help a brother out and buy something. Or join the Urban Shooter Association. Thanks. And now, back to the man who's packing more than a browning. First up is Kim Rode, an American double trap and skate shooter, California girl, two-time Olympic gold medal winner, and six-time national champions in double trap. One of the youngest members of the U.S. Olympic team back in 96, Summer Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia, and recently, as of 2008, won a silver medal for skate shooting in the Summer Games. Kim Rode, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. What's your newest thing? What do you, what do you got going on today or this week? 
Well, um, it's just a bunch of stuff as usual. Um, just got back from Acapulco, Mexico, and uh, did awesome. Just really excited about the way everything turned out and having you know the honor of representing the red, white, and blue. And uh, just been getting ready, uh, playing catch up with school since I've been gone for a week. So we've got a lot of tests and finals in this upcoming week, as well as uh, another World Cup in Beijing, China. So that, we're just working away, doing a lot of training and a lot of homework. <laughs> that's going to be fabulous. How did you get into shooting sports? Well, shooting was actually just part of my family, and it was passed down from generation to generation. And my mom and dad, getting ready for one of those dove hunts in Yuma, Arizona, said, hey, why don't you you know, come out and do a little practicing at the range? And I did that, and... Somebody said, you know, you're pretty good. Why don't you try the club shoot? And then it was a state shoot, and it just kept growing from there. And three or four Olympics, here I am. Oh, man. Still going for it, and uh, hopefully we can do it again in London. Sounds good. What happened when they stole your shotgun? That kind of put you back for a minute, didn't it? Yeah, to say the least, it was actually quite a shocker um, losing my shotgun. It was, uh, you know... I think one of those things where, you know, it basically an eye opener, I guess, is the way to way to put it. I, I, there's really nowhere to describe it other than the fact that when I went out there and my gun was gone, it was okay. Now we got to figure out what we're going to do. We have a match the following day, and you know, just a lot of people came to the rescue. A lot of sponsors, um, just. A lot of people, general public, just some really great people. And, you know, we got a gun put together, went out, competed, did well, was able to make the team. And from there, I started building a new gun. And, you know, I think things really do happen for a reason. Okay. With that, with that being said, uh, I mean, the gun that I have now is just working fantastic. And I think I'm shooting better than I ever have. So... You know, uh, out of a negative or something like that occurring, I think a positive came out of it. And it was just incredible how many people, you know, came out of the woodworks and really helped me to, you know, succeed and continue forward. Oh, that's really cool. Some of the new things I have coming up right now is I have a game on the iPhone that just came out uh, just a couple weeks ago and it's doing quite well. It's called Kim Rohde's Outdoor Shooting. And uh, you can actually purchase it right on uh, iTunes itself. Kimberly's Outdoor Shooting? Yes. It's really cool. You get to hunt in the 3D type of game. You can free roam and walk all around. And if you wound an animal, they turn and attack you. And you have moose and deer and turkeys. So it's just the beginning. We have, uh, you know, a lot more things that we want to do with it and a lot more places we want to take it. But it's it's really fun, and um, it's a great way for us to reach some of those inner-city kids which are so vital to our sport. I hear you. i got to put a link to it now on my little app. My, my app is boring in comparison to that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many apps out there. It's, it's incredible. And, you know, it's amazing what people come up with. And, you know, I mean, people don't realize that I think they do in our sport, but the people outside our sport don't realize what a wonderful group of people we have in it and how family-oriented it is. And like I said, the more people we can reach in the inner cities, the better. Oh, you're so true, so true. 
So you're taking, um, you're going to school for veterinary medicine? Yes, actually, I'm studying pre-veterinary medicine, food marketing, and agribusiness at Cal Poly Pomona. So quite a few things. It's, uh, I got a final tomorrow on a marketing class, I mean on Monday, on a marketing class. So lots of studying going on in between those, those rounds and in between the matches, to say the least. I hear you. What um, type of shotgun do you, do you use for the Olympics? I'm actually shooting a Parazzi MX2000S um, currently. That's the gun that was the product of the one being stolen. And um, it's just fantastic. It's really working great. Uh, had the stock all custom made by Winnick. And, you know, I couldn't thank them enough. I mean, it was all done in a day. You know, especially, like I said, a lot of people really came to the aid. And I just can't thank people enough. And I think it's really cool when you step out on that line and you have so many people that believe in you and have really helped you um, just to win and to do well and succeed. It's just incredible. There's really no words to describe it, and I just can't thank them enough. Oh, that is too cool. Well, I don't want to hold you much longer, but I, I'm i really excited. I'm kind of um, a fanboy myself, <laughs> so I got I to gotta oh. tell you, I'm, I'm so proud of you. You just keep doing what you're doing, lady. Well, thank you so much for having me. And you have to come come down sometime when you get a chance and maybe do some shooting. And, uh, you know, I could always use some pointers. <laughs> I'll be learning from you. What are you talking about? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> You're the Olympic gold, wow. medal, gold, gold medal winner. But, but thank you, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and uh, I think we're, you're cutting in and out there a little bit. But it, it's a pleasure. And uh, anytime. All right. Best wishes to you, and good luck on your test. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Now, in all honesty, the wife hit the washing machine while I was interviewing Kim, and I had my cell phone too close to the microphone, so there was some interference. Man, we had some stuff. But you know how on important interviews, that's when stuff happens. But, hey, that's how it goes. And now, coming up next, another fantastic person. Liz Foley, from the Second Amendment, March. Liz Foley, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank you, Ken. Glad to be here. Tell me about the Second Amendment, March. Well, Ken, we're very excited. Um, The march is scheduled for April 19th. It's a Monday. We will be in Washington, D.C. The plans are laid for us to be right there in the Washington Monument, which couldn't be a better place for uh, like-minded individuals to get together and just express our um, concerns about the uh, potential changes in any um, laws uh, that would affect the Second Amendment and the Constitution and just make sure that our elected representatives know um, that uh, we won't stand for it. We've got a voice, and and we the people are going to be there in a peaceful demonstration to show them that uh, we believe in it, we want it, and we want it to stay the way it is. When is it happening? April 19th. Um, the, the beginning will be about 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Now, we keep adding speakers, so if we have to go a little bit longer, we might. Uh, we've got speakers um, just from every uh, venue of, of uh, gun rights and Second Amendment and Constitution and uh, concealed carry. Uh, you name uh, the, the group associated with uh, protecting the Second Amendment, and you're going to hear someone talk about it. Uh, some of our, our key speakers, uh, Dick Heller has uh, joined uh, 
the list of uh, speakers. We've got Representative Paul Braun from uh, Georgia, uh, huge pro-Second Amendment uh, U.S. congressman, will be speaking. We have um, Sheriff Mack, um, Larry Pratt, just to name a few. Certainly the, the most important thing to do for any and all of the details. Um, in fact, I think you're going to be speaking, aren't you, Ken? Absolutely. <laughs> Don't want to miss that one. Um, but to get the details on all of our speakers and their backgrounds and their histories, um, we want to get everyone to go out to the website, check it out. There's tons and tons of information. Uh, again, we've got information on the speakers, entertainment. There's a fantastic D.C. area guide. If you've never traveled to D.C., you can find out how to get around, uh, booking for travel, you name it, it's out there. There's huge opportunities. You know, putting on an event like this uh, requires a lot of resources. And right now we're putting together our volunteer schedule. So there's still plenty of, of time if you'd like to register to volunteer. Um, and sponsors, sponsors and donations. Um, you know, we've got everybody uh, sponsoring things from porta johns to trash cans to helping um, foot the cost of the actual production, which is amazing. The number of people who have stepped up, but we can certainly use many, many more. And then merchandise, what a great way to spread the word. Um, I just went to the mailbox myself today and um, picked up uh, some T-shirts that I got for myself and my mom because she's a Second Amendment supporter and she's coming along to support me. And uh, if you want to meet mom, she'll be at the press table with me. And our T-shirts and some buttons. And, uh, you know, ask me about the Second Amendment march because it's it's so important to get the word out, Ken. How did you get involved with this? You know, I got involved because my passion is the Second Amendment, and I'm involved in many, many pro-gun activists and and groups and and organizations, and I I actually happened to see uh, the link uh, for this on the NRA ILA website, clicked on it, got interested, uh, booked my trip, went back out to the website and saw that they were looking for someone to coordinate media efforts. And I gave Skip a call. Uh, he's the founder, uh, and uh, we talked, and I've been working with them now for a little while, and they're definitely keeping me busy, but by gosh, if, if you've got an opportunity for us to get with you to help us spread the word via, like Ken here, on a, a radio program, a blog, a newspaper, um, by all means, give me a call. You can send me an email at media at secondamendmentmarch.com, and uh, we'll be happy to uh, connect with you. Oh man, that's some good stuff. What What do you see? That's um, what's been an obstacle for this whole thing? What's been tough? You know, I think what's interesting having having planned local events um, <clears throat> here in Texas, where I'm from, uh, it's a little easier local. But I'm telling you what, the endeavor that the the, the founders took on is just amazing. It's it's almost a little bit mind boggling, in the sense that they have attempted to reach out to every citizen in the United States. And it really doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, where you live, and what your passion is when it comes to the Second Amendment. Because whether you're a hunter, uh, a target shooter, you're very pro-self-defense, or just you know a, a true constitutionalist who loves the Constitution and the Second Amendment and, and the things like that that make this country so great, this is your opportunity to step up, and I think that trying to bring all that together um, 
is probably the largest challenge. And it's taken a significant amount of coordination. We have got some fantastic state coordinators. So don't think if you can't make it to, to D.C. that you can't participate. You can participate. Uh, there are state marches happening in March and April all the way up to and the day of the event uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, supporting the overall march. Again, go to our website, buy some merchandise, make a donation, spread the word. All of you, you gun rights activists, you you hunters, you, you shooters, uh, Send it to your, your uh, uh, email address books, you know. We are working on a money bomb, which is a, a kind of the new way to raise money um, in the political world, if you will, and we're looking for it to go viral here soon. Be looking for more updates on that. Um, I just can't wait. I cannot wait. I have seen RSVPs from Alaska, Hawaii, Texas, Florida, Georgia, California, I don't think there's a state that won't be represented represented, excuse me, at the march. So that in itself, while it is a challenge, is also probably one of the most amazing um, benefits, attributes of, of bringing together people for this type of an event. You know it. And to be part of history, there's never been a Second Amendment march in Washington, D.C.? I don't believe so, and so we are. This is this is going to be kind of like the Heller case, and hopefully the McDonald case that's coming up before the Supreme Court soon. And uh, we'd like to be landmark too. And you know, um, wouldn't it be awesome if we could do this every year? What a message um, that we could send to not just our representatives, elected but soon to be, but just to everyone out there, how critical and important this particular amendment is to. Our, our way of life here in the United States. It was um, Our founders were very specific when they wrote it and their intent, and I encourage everyone to go out and research that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this is the one amendment that protects all the rest. So we have got to fight for it. We have got to fight for it because um, at the end of the day, it's the one that will be there for us. And you can only be one, number one one time. So this is going to be the, the first. And people just don't want to miss this first opportunity to be in Washington, D.C. for the Second Amendment March. It's just too important to miss. You, you're you so right, Ken. And um, we thank you for putting this on your show and everything that you're doing for it and, and reaching out to uh, your, your listeners and, and followers. Um, and we need that from everyone. Like I said, um, there are millions. Uh, I would say people who support the Second Amendment are probably one of the largest groups in the United States. Now, that's Liz's opinion, nothing, nothing I can base it on fact yet, but um, you know what? I, I think we tend to get complacent, and that's something we can't afford to do. You know, you hear a lot in the news uh, these days about things like health care, and, and certainly we need to fight that as well, but at the end of the day, there's not a big case out there, and, and you don't see it impacting you at home. You tend to forget about it. And we just can't. We have got to participate in events like this, which are going to be um, history-making. You know, it'll go down in the books. And uh, I certainly hope that um, the people come out, both at the state level and in Washington, D.C., and make their voices heard so that we can make this an annual event. Um, because, you know, if you've ever hung around with different groups, I tell you what, folks that hang around at, at the gun ranges, you know, that you go hunting with, these aren't just people, you know, they become family. And um, it's a different type of mindset. And um, I tell you what, you know, you're always safe when you're hanging around them, that's for sure. Yeah, and these are, these are the good people. 
I concur. Absolutely can. And uh, we're real excited about it. So what are you thinking um, about speaking? Uh, what thoughts are you putting together for the march? It's going to be a big family reunion for me um, to have so many like-minded people who love their country and are waiting for things to get better. It's just a powerhouse opportunity to just kind of keep us together and motivate the troops and uh, keep us all smiling to the future. Oh, well said, well said. And um, like I said, it's going to be not only uh, inspirational, uh, it's going to be educational, it's going to be fun. We have got entertainment. Um, we've got a, a new up-and-coming country singer, uh, Lucas uh, Hodge, and we've got uh, reenactments. Uh, we've got some people dressed up. And, um, you know, I think it's just going to be a great time. And what ble- better place to do it than right there by the Potomac um, in our nation's capital? Yeah, it's going to be beautiful, too. The cherry blossoms should be in bloom about that time. It's going to be a nice time to be in D.C., I agree, and I just, I, I cannot wait. Um, you know, I, I tend not to be too emotional, but um, I, I'd have to say I'm not a crier, but, you know, when you walk D.C. and you see things like the, the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument and Jefferson, and, you know, I've, I've yet to see the Viet, uh, Vietnam Veterans Memorial, and I know veterans from Vietnam, and, you know, all of our veterans, and especially those Vietnam veterans that perhaps didn't get the recognition they deserve, I just I can't wait to see it. And it, you know, even just thinking about it and knowing that the people that are coming to this event um, are so beholden to this uh, country and our, our veterans, and um, and would fight for our country, it just um, it touches a place in your heart that you can't um, you can't really explain. So true. So, so what's going to happen in the state marches? What's different from the state than the national? Well, the state is, again, an opportunity for states to participate. You know, um, especially in these economic times, not everybody can make the trip to D.C. And so we wanted to give the states an opportunity to, um, at a state level, do a couple of things, participate and support the overall march, but make their voices known to their state legislatures. You know, you've got uh, governors and, and state Congress people that – you know, representatives and, and that, that need to understand as much as our U.S. Congress knows how vital and important the Second Amendment is to us and that they need to support the legislation that comes through um, and protect the people in their, their, their states uh, when it comes to things like the Castle Doctrine and the right to carry at work and different legislation that is, um, you know, has been... Uh, enacted in the last couple of years, as well as that, you know, in Texas, for example, that law made it to calendars, but it didn't pass. That's one I'd really, really like to see pass. So what a great opportunity for people in each and every state to send a message to the state government uh, that will hopefully also trickle up to the federal government to say, hey, we're all in this together, and we need to protect this amendment at absolutely every single level. You can also meet your senator you're not too far down D.C., so you can go walk to the Capitol from there. You can, and I tell you what, we have partnered uh, quite a bit with Gun Owners of America. And let me tell you what, if you want to know where your um, representatives stand on uh, gun legislation and how they, vo- uh, how they vote, ask Gun Owners of America. They'll let you know because how they vote is pretty indicative of how they um, stand on these issues. And uh, if you don't like the way they vote, the best time to tell them is in November at the poll, at the voting polls. 
Uh, because when you vote them out of office because they're not voting the way you want, they, that's when they get the message. Absolutely. So how can we reach you again? You can uh, email me anytime at media at secondamendmentmarch.com, and you can reach any of the board of directors or get any information you need at www.secondamendmentmarch.com. And um, you can blog, you can post, buy merchandise, sponsor, sign up for the event, sign up to volunteer. And um, when you come to the event, be sure to uh, find me and say hello. I can't wait to meet everybody coming. All right. Liz, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Cam. Look forward to meeting you two in person. Oh, we're going to have big fun in D.C. That's right. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great time. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, remember, we got less than a month now before you make your reservations to come to Washington, D.C. for the Second Amendment March. Now, I just saw a video that was taken not too long ago with me saying I love gun people and makes me laugh because it Reminded me of that scene from uh, Jerry Maguire. But that's a whole different story. Zombie Strike is next. This is Zombie Strike. Part 23. Salem, Wyoming approximately 50 miles west of Laramie, 16 February 2010, 0800 hours local, countdown, one year, 11 months, 14 days. Jim Collins watched the grumbling U.S. Army soldiers as they carefully made their way down the mountain path. The soldiers were not happy, not with the weather, not with the terrain, and definitely not with having to be led around by an observer who didn't seem to be affected by any of it. Jim didn't care. He was just happy to be back where he grew up. He felt the mountains calling to him the moment he, the squad left Salem. Reminded me again why we're tromping through these mountains instead of choppering in, asked the lieutenant that was assigned to command the detachment. The lieutenant was almost as tall as Jim, six foot two, but was draped in enough army-issued gear that Jim couldn't tell the difference between the man and the soldiers he was leading. Jim couldn't even remember the man's name. Rumor has it that someone is leading this horde, Jim answered. Don't want to spook him with a bunch of choppers in the air. How could anyone lead a horde? The lieutenant asked incredulously. Have to ask the folks that did it in Mexico City, Jim said. The lieutenant's mouth clicked shut. The officer just nodded in dawning comprehension. Jim had been there, done that, and had the scars to prove it. The lieutenant was smart enough to realize that maybe Jim and the others on his team might know a thing or two about mixing it up with the undead. The officer gave Jim a half salute before returning to his squad. After another two miles, the squad of soldiers crested the hill they had been climbing and began to trek down. Everyone froze as the wind carried the familiar moans of zombies. Jim paused to check his PDA. With a few fumbled taps, he managed to bring up the GPS. He scowled. That couldn't be right. Jim double-checked the settings. What was the horde doing there? What's the matter, sir? The lieutenant asked. The horde is congregating around an old altar, Jim said before he could stop himself. 
Jim paused as he thought furiously how to cover his lapse. Finally, he decided boldness. The individual leading the horde might be searching the area for some sort of an artifact. What kind of artifact? The lieutenant asked. Don't know, but it doesn't really matter, Jim said. At least not from where we sit. The lieutenant thought about it for a moment. The squad's job was to find the horde. Now that they succeeded, it was time to bring in the rest of the U.S. Army's new zombie fighting force. Jim let the officer find his radioman. He had a different call to make. Go, Jim, Mateo Cortez said a half second after Jim pressed the button on his PDA. The horde has been found, Jim reported. He hesitated. Mateo needed to know the rest, but there would be some uncomfortable questions afterwards. Jim's decision come down to two things. Mateo had saved Jim's life more than once, and even more than that, Mateo was his team leader. Matt, the minion is probably there hunting for one of those items of power Quentin told us about, Jim said, hoping Mateo would ask the expected questions. I see, Mateo said in a frighteningly neutral voice. There was a pause as Jim heard commotion in the background. Jim, it looks like the soldiers you're with just reported in, Mateo said. The rest of the force is loading up and moving out. The Steve and Colin are riding along. Help the soldiers with you. If you can find the minion, capture him if you can. Mark him if you can. Above all, keep those boys alive. Sure thing, Matt, Jim said, sending silent thanks to God. So far, everything was still buried. As long as he kept the minion from the idol, everything should be fine. He hoped, anyways. Jim crept through the snowy terrain to where the squad was hastily digging fighting positions. Apparently, the officer in charge of the Army's force gave the lieutenant the same orders, at least as far as waiting for the rest of the soldiers. Eleven soldiers and one zombie hunter against a 5,000-strong horde wasn't good odds in anyone's book. Wait, there was only nine soldiers digging in. Where were the other two? I sent them forward to eyeball the zombies, the officer answered indignantly. Jim's nostrils flared as he barely stopped himself from screaming at the lieutenant. The man had no experience with zombies. The closest this young man had been to a zombie was probably the initial screening to see if he was one of those precious few humans who could be near the undead and not flee in panic. Get them back here, Jim ordered. Make sure they do it very quietly. The lieutenant was clearly confused by the sudden change in demeanor and that worked in Jim's favor. The lieutenant was one of those rare young officers who knew exactly what to do when encountering something he didn't understand. Defer to the person with the experience. Jim would never know to thank two sergeants that had carefully mentored and guided the young man through some harrowing firefights. Sergeant, recall the OP, the lieutenant ordered. Tell him to be quieter than ghost back here. The sergeant nodded. The non-com was of the same opinion as his officer. Jim let the soldiers do their thing while he assessed their position. The horde was in the middle of a small valley that was ringed with large hills and small mountains. Most of the valley was an evergreen forest. The edge of the forest ended maybe 50 yards from the base of the hill that the squad came over. The overcast sky would keep the squad from being blinded by light reflecting off the snow that blanketed the ground. The squad was on the slope of the hill, giving them about another 50 yards from the edge of the forest. 
Jim would have preferred more distance, but at least the soldiers were keeping their lines of retreat open. Following a suggestion from Mateo, the squad had switched out their grenades for Claymore mines. The squad placed 12 of the mines along the front of their fighting positions. Another half dozen were set up further on the hill to give the squad more breathing room as they retreated. Jim was under no grand delusions. If that horde came calling, the squad would whittle away at the zombies and that was it. There was no way they could hold a position before the horde reached the point of crush. Jim checked his PDA. In 15 minutes, the rest of the battalion would arrive. He looked again. The battalion was moving too fast. There was no way those armored vehicles should be covering ground that fast, especially not in this terrain. His heart dropped as he heard the rhythmic drumming of helicopters. The sound echoed through the valley. The sound of hunting moans erupted from 5,000 decaying throats. The soldiers froze as the horrific cacophony swept over them. Get to your positions, Jim yelled. Get to your positions, Jim yelled. There was no point in being quiet. He needed the soldiers to focus on his voice instead of the moans. The response was almost instantaneous. As the soldiers rushed into their firing holes, Jim continued speaking. Tell your scouts to run as fast as they can back here, Jim said to the lieutenant. The officer nodded as Jim addressed the squad. Zombies don't run, so don't shoot your squad mates as they come out of the forest. The soldiers let out a morbid chuckle. It was a good sign. Zombies are slow. They will give you all the time in the world to put them down. Please try to remember to shoot them in the head. The soldiers nodded. Even after six weeks of drilling, Jim knew their first instinct would be to go for center mass. Even better, so did the soldiers of the squad. All they had to do was keep their heads and take their time. Sean, keep that saw quiet until the zombies are 10 meters from the base of the hill, the sergeant ordered, taking his cue from Jim. As soon as they reach the bottom of our hill, we'll blow the claymores and fall back. Cover each other and watch your ammo. The sergeant's calm voice steadied the soldiers. They started a bit as their two squad mates sprinted out of the forest. The moans were coming closer. Jim unslung his ZKC and moved next to the lieutenant. The officer didn't look happy. We've been ordered to hold this hill, the lieutenant said grimly. Colonel said we'd have a company waiting for us at the top. Jim gave the lieutenant a humorless smile. Sucks to be bait, Jim said. The lieutenant simply nodded. Complaining wouldn't change anything. Jim clapped the officer on the shoulder before taking his own spot on the line. The waiting was the hardest part. The moans were growing louder and louder as the horde came closer. A couple of soldiers looked over to Jim. He just waited patiently, hoping his own anxiety wasn't showing. The first zombie emerged from the forest. Jim ignored anything that could have made the creature in front of him seem human. The clothes, the wounds, the face, none of it mattered. Jim put the reticle over the zombie's head and squeezed the trigger. The zombie jerked backwards as its head exploded into a red and gray cloud. There were a few shots from the soldiers. The sergeant bellowed a curse-laden reminder to hold fire until they had a zombie in their sights and quit wasting ammo. The squad didn't have to wait long. A wave of over a hundred zombies staggered from the tree line. 
The firing line erupted as the soldiers opened fire. A dozen zombies fell. The pristine snow darkened with blood and other nasty fluids. The squad's fire became ragged chorus of pops as the soldiers took down the oncoming undead as fast as they could. Jim's fire was slower, but he was watching the flow of the horde. It wasn't good. For every zombie the squad dropped, five more emerged to take their place. The ear-splitting chatter of the saw thundered across the battlefield as the zombies approached the hill. The saw gunner wasn't even trying for headshots. His only purpose was to knock the zombies down and keep them back. It barked the squad less than a minute. The sergeant waited until roughly 50 of the zombies were at the base of the hill. Jim was deafened as 12 pounds of C4 plastic explosive hurled thousands of steel balls into the mass of oncoming zombies. The claymores skied down hundreds of zombies. Jim didn't wait to get an accurate count. He was charging up the slope to the next line of claymores. The odd black costume caught Jim's eye. He stopped running. The minion was standing in the middle of the horde, maybe ten yards from the tree line. This one wasn't wearing the ninja costume donned by his cohorts. Instead, he wore a long black duster, a bandana and Stetson hat mask his face. The hunting rifle in the minion's hands came up. Jim snapped his own weapon up. Jim fired half a heartbeat before the minion, just long enough to see the black-garbed man fall back before everything went black. This concludes another installment of the narrated story Zombie Strike by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the ongoing saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio found on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved. Hey, you know what? I'm still tripping out on the news. In Bangkok, some Thai protesters poured several jugs of their own blood at the front gate of the government headquarters to press for demands for the new elections. I'm with my grandma on this one. I'd rather sign a recall petition any day than give up a pint of blood. She would say, baby, that's just nasty. Hey, how about that interview with ex-congressman Eric Massa on the Glenn Beck show? That took some real... Uh, Media attention for a second, didn't it? As a result of this maniac's sexual advances toward uh, male subordinates and his crazy talk, Congress has just enacted their own version of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. It's called Shut Up. And now, your brother wants to know Question of the Week. I asked, uh, in your opinion, what is the sexiest gun? I put it on my Twitter page and, uh, Everybody answered on Facebook, so that kind of tells me where everybody is right now. Jeff on Twitter says that the 92 Beretta is hands down the sexiest gun. But most people mentioned uh, 1911, John Browning's popular 45 caliber firearm. But Tat, he mentioned a pimped out MP5 once owned by Saddam Hussein. Side note there, Tat, there you also, you can find those in Mexico as well. Let's look at the list. Let's see what folks... Thought was the sexiest gun. 
This is from my Facebook page. Survey says, Colt Peacemaker, 45 long Colt, seven and a half inch long. Let's see, we got uh, a para, TAC-4, the original M14. Somebody said they go for a Judge Taurus as well. We'll talk about Taurus in a hot second. The Colt single action engraved with ivory grips and silver inlays. A German Luger is sexy as hell, says Topper, but not reliable or affordable. Kind of like women, he says. That's Topper now. That ain't me. And Bob says, Ann Schultz, Ann Schultz. Somebody got to teach me how to say that one. My German is real bad. 1413 match 54 and a Smith and Wesson 686. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Nickel finish with a red dot. And Mitch says a CZ SP01 shadow. And also, there was a big shout out. Somebody on Twitter actually said the Nighthawk. All those are nice. But a little bit pricey. Thanks, fellas, for answering this week's question of the week. All right. One of the things that people sometimes talk about or they don't talk about openly is how expensive guns are. Well, if you're thinking to save a few dollars and still protect your family, you've probably looked at the Taurus line of firearms. They make some really nice looking stuff. And now with the new Taurus judge, everybody's thinking, maybe I can buy a Taurus now. But some of their revolvers in the past have been a little sketchy. Now they look exactly like the Smith & Wessons. And what happens is, um, back in the day, wish I had known this when I lived in Brazil, Taurus and Rossi, the big companies in Brazil, get merged with this company and made it into Miami and they import the firearms here. And they copy some of the patents from well-known firearms. But the quality is not exactly the same. So, if you pay three, $400 for a revolver that looks exactly like a Smith & Wesson or a Dan Wesson revolver, it could be a good buy. If you're going to use it for self-defense, if you're going to use it for practicing for your entree into this whole firearms world, it could be a good thing. I say it could be only because it's the luck of the draw. You have to make sure when you pick that firearm, you pick it on the basis of it's comfortable, it feels good to you, and it works well. So there's a difference between watches and there's a difference between firearms and pistols. You do sometimes pay for what you get or you get what you pay for. Even though this firearm, this revolver might look exactly like a Smith & Wesson 357. The Smith & Wesson is made like a Swiss watch. The Taurus, not so much. The parts don't fit exactly as smooth and as accurately as the Smith or a Swiss watch. Does everything work? Yes. Will it launch bullets? Yes. Will it take out the bad guys? Yes. The difference is, if you wanted to fix your Taurus and make it just that much better, a gunsmith might not say that he'd take it on because the parts aren't the same. 
The tolerances aren't the same. It's not made of the same stuff. So, buyer beware. Now, I have a Taurus revolver. A little snub nose. I think it's a Model 85. Good pocket pistol. Five shot. Will I shoot a gazillion rounds through it? No. But when I need it, it's there. So, if you buy um, a firearm that looks a little bit less, you know, it's economical, which you want in this recession, regression, almost depression time period, just know that your firearm is made for a certain thing. Don't try to push it outside of that realm unless you spend a big dollar. Now, you don't have to be a gun snob to recognize that sometimes the more expensive stuff you can do things with. I'm just being honest with you. If you come out with a, a Taurus and you're shooting, shoot well with the thing. Don't be mad. Don't hide it either. Be proud. Master the, the tool that you have. Don't sweat it. Don't get caught up and you got to be the, the next best thing. You got to get what's in the magazine. You might find one, buy one used from somebody or use one at the range or there's a deal on them. Or this one just looks nice for you. Go ahead and get it. Just make sure everything works. Everything's smooth. There's no rough edges. Sometimes there's, things will stick or just won't feel. What you do is take that Taurus and take one of the Smiths or one of the big names that it's a copy of and see the difference. Ruger or whatever. Check it out. If it performs the same or you can't tell the difference, buy it, save a dollar. Okay? That's my tip for this week on guns. Thank you for listening to the show. I look forward to your reviews on iTunes or comments on the blogs of Downrange TV, MOLand.com or the Urban Shooter Podcast.com. And of course, directly to me at BlackManWithAGun at gmail.com. There's always more to do, more to come, and more to laugh with. With me. We might do a little shoot, don't shoot, you decide, and touch on some history in the next episode. Special thanks again to Kim Road. Liz Foley for joining us this week, and we have less than a month to go for the Second Amendment March here in D.C. Make your reservations now. And if you're ready to change what you are doing and need a motivational partner, here I is. Special thanks to members of the Urban Shooter Association for supporting this show and all you do. Thank you for encouraging me. Now, you can be part of our success, too, if you want to. Check the site for details on how to make this show faster than a speeding bullet and more powerful than a locomotive on UrbanShooterPodcast.com. So until next week, shalom, baby. Thank you for listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken would love to hear from you. Email him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Talk to you next week.